That right there is a man named Saeed Abedini. He is a preacher. He is someone you need to be praying for. He has been sentenced to eight years in one of the harshest prisons in the world, the uh, Evan Prison in Iran. He has been tortured, and he has been beaten, and his crime is his conversion to Christianity. And as he's been in that prison, he has been told that all he has to do to go home, all he has to do to to stop being tortured, to stop being beaten, is to renounce his faith in Jesus and return to Islam. And if he does that, he can go home and be with his wife and his children who you saw in the picture earlier. He has refused to do that. And so he has just, as of last month, completed the first year of his eight-year sentence. There is a very good chance that he will not survive all eight years. But he refuses to deny his faith. And instead, in Evan Prison, in the midst of the beatings and the torture that he's been going through, he has led more than 30 people to Christ. I hear stories like that, and I think of the words of Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I think, you know, a man like that, he deserves to be able to say those words. A man like that has earned the, re- earned the responsibility and the right to say those words. And I think about the times in my own life when, when I've been challenged about my faith, challenged to share my faith. I think about caustic remarks that some of my friends make, some of them atheists, some of them agnostic, and I wonder, how do I respond to those comments? How do I, what do I say? Do I say anything? And I think about opportunities with family members and with friends, people who I love, when I could simply say, I, I love you, and I want you to know Jesus. I love you, and I want you to know this peace that I have. But I don't, because I worry, well, what are they going to think if I talk like that? They're going to think I'm crazy. How are they going to react? In Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And I read those words, and I try to remember that when Paul wrote those words, his experience was not like that of Saeed Abedini. Not yet, anyway. It wasn't exactly that kind of torture. It wasn't exactly that kind of pressure that he was going through. I also realize when I read those words that Paul's experience was not like mine either. Paul wasn't embarrassed. Paul wasn't concerned. Well, what are my friends going to say? Am I going to get invited to parties anymore if I start talking about Jesus all the time? Paul's concern about being ashamed 
came from a community that he loved that was going to react with, well, Paul, that's nice that you believe that, but it just doesn't work. Come on, Paul, that's not going to work. His, his concern was, was for the Jewish people. The Jewish people, a very self-righteous, law-keeping people who worked out their own salvation, who, who, who did it themselves through their law-keeping. To them, you earned your salvation by keeping the law, by being righteous. And so later on in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul writes, For the word of the cross is folly. It's, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. They don't see the point. Whether they're proud Jews wanting to keep the law, or whether it's your friends or my friends who tell you, you know, you're, you're wasting your time going to that church. You're wasting your time doing all those things. And, and you're no fun anymore now that you started talking about Jesus all the time. And, or even the, those that tell you every now and then, you know, it, it really doesn't matter what you believe. We're all going to the same place. It doesn't matter what you believe. You can be whatever you want it. It doesn't matter what you do, and you can get just as much God out of sitting out in the woods on Sunday morning as you can going to church. Every one of those responses does one thing, and that is it belittles the gift of God's grace. For the words, the word of the cross is foolishness, folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And what Paul tells us in Romans 1.16 is that right there is the key to understanding why we should not be ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is the power of God. Now, you can't, you can't really read those words, I am not ashamed, without realizing something very important. And that is, there are things in our lives that we should be ashamed of, right? There are some things that we've, I know not you guys, but some of people, some people. There are things in our lives that we ought to be ashamed of. There are things that we've done. There are things that we've said. There are thoughts that we've had that we ought to be ashamed of. And we look back on those things and we feel shame. And I think God built that into us, not to make us miserable, but to make us look for something better. To make us say, that's not the right way. I got to go somewhere else. Make us look for something else. Later on in, in Romans chapter 6, Paul goes on in, in verses 20 and 21, and he says, For when you were slaves to sin, you're not anymore, but when you used to be, when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. It's not just that we were ashamed of the things that we used to do. It's not just that we were ashamed. It was that those things put us to shame. They put us to shame. They, there was no fruit in them. There was no fruit. There was no power. They did not produce anything good in us. And so Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. The power of God. Power means it is effective. It, it does the job. It works. Power is not an option. You know, now we've got all kinds of options when it comes to power. Well, what kind of car do you want? 
Do you want a gas guzzler or do you want flex fuel? Do you want electric? Do you want this? Do you want a wind-powered whatever? Do you want green? What kind of power do you want? No, no, no. There is only one source. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God. Well, I'm going to find the power of God over here. No, you're not. It is the power of God. It is effective. It does the job. There is only one source of power. Do you remember when you were a kid? I don't know, maybe you still do this. You ever walk up to the light switch on the wall and you try to get it right in the middle? You ever done that? I'm not the only one that ever did that, right? And you'd stand there and you'd go off, 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 on. All right, try to get it right in the middle because I want to see what it looks like when the light is half on and half off. You did this, didn't you? We all did it. And if you didn't do that, I guarantee you walked up the refrigerator and you went off, off, on. Okay. If I open the door just a little bit, the little man won't come out and turn the light on. And we'll see what it's like when the light's half on in the refrigerator. There's no half on, right? The, the gospel, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Well, the gospel and this will get you there. And the gospel and that, no. It is the power of God. There is no other power. It's either off or it's on. And when it's on, it is effective. You want power? You got it. The gospel. Nothing else cuts it. That's why Paul says he's not ashamed of the gospel. That's why we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. One of the things we realize, once we realize that we should not be ashamed of the gospel, what we see is that those deeds of darkness that we used to do, those things that we did that were wrong, that we're now ashamed of, those deeds of darkness, those things, those things were wrong. We knew they were wrong. We did them anyway because we liked them. The reason why they were wrong was because there was no power in them. There was nothing that they were going to do good for us. There was no fruit in those acts. Once we kind of understand that, we also start to see that all those times when you said, I can handle this myself. I don't need you, God. I got this. I can handle this myself. I can handle this. I can be good enough. I can beat this addiction. I can do this on my own. I don't need your power, God. I've got this covered. That is something we should also be ashamed of because you know what? No, you can't. You have no power. There is only one source of power. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. And we ought to be ashamed of every time we tried to take control from God, every time we tried to do it ourselves. Now I hope what you realize is that there is tremendous peace in knowing that because some of us drive ourselves nuts. We start wondering, am I good enough? Have I done enough right things? Am I good enough? Am I saved by being good enough? And let me just answer that. No, no, you're not. None of you are good enough. I'm not good enough. None of us are good enough. It's not about you. You don't have any power. Your switch is always off. You don't have to worry because the gospel is powerful. It is effective. It is the power of God. And Paul goes on to explain it is the power of God 
for salvation to everyone who believes. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and then to the Greek. And you're sitting here going, what about me? Well, you're Greek. Trust me, you're Greek. Today you're Greeks. You're all Greeks. Used to be that only the Jews were God's chosen people. At least that's what they thought. The part that they messed up was, if you go back and you read the Old Testament, it says that they are God's chosen people to be a light to the Gentiles. They were chosen to show God's goodness, to show God's grace and His glory and His righteousness to the Gentiles. And instead, they said, this is ours. We're going to be God's chosen people. We're going to be the only ones. And then they started putting on other restrictions. Well, I know you're a Jew, but you've got to be a good Jew. You've got to be a righteous Jew. You've got to keep the law. You've got to do all these right things. But now Paul says, salvation is for everyone who believes. You and I, a long time ago, lost the ability to be born Jewish. It's not your fault. It's your parents' fault. They did it to you. You blame them. But long before that, we totally lost the ability to be law-abiding Jews. That ship has sailed. The temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. We can't be law-abiding Jews. It's gone. Through the gospel, through the good news of Jesus Christ, all that matters is that you believe. Let me show you something. Back, back in Acts chapter 4, Peter's speaking to this crowd. And back in Acts chapter 4, verse, 7, verse 12, Peter says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name. See that up there? For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name you can call on for salvation. I can't call my mom and ask for salvation. I can't call my friend who's a good Christian and ask for salvation. I can't call on this guy or that guy, anyone else. There is no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name but Jesus. Now this is where we get in trouble. This is where we get ourselves in trouble because when we go saying stuff like that, people will tell us that we're exclusivists. People will tell us that we're prejudiced. People will tell us that we're fundamentalists. And people will tell us that we are narrow-minded, that we are fanatics. How dare you? How dare you say that everyone has to be just like you? How dare you limit the work of God? It's not limited. It is available to who? Everyone. You guys read that, right? No, it's kind of small. It's available to everyone who believes. We're not being exclusivist. We're not excluding anyone. It is available to everyone who believes. How can you say only one name? How can you say that? There's been so many other good teachers. What about this one and what about that one? We jump back to 1 Corinthians. Remember 1 Corinthians? I read that earlier. It said that the word of the cross is foolishness. It is folly to those who are perishing. If you read just a few verses on down from that, Paul goes on and he says, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the what? The power of God. What does power mean? It means that it is e 
effective. Remember? That was just a little bit ago. I can go back. No? There's sandwiches later. We get through this quicker. You get to your sandwiches quicker. The power of God is effective. Is there any other source of power? No. It is the power. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God. Power is effective. Power works. Power is not an option. Christ crucified. That story sounds crazy. And it really does. It is foolishness. The foolishness of the cross. Foolishness of this message that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's crazy talk. You don't have to do anything, but that's, there's power in that. It's the power of God. That whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life, that's salvation in only one name. And all you have to do is believe. And the reason all we have to do is believe is because in our belief, in our faith, we receive the righteousness of God. We talked about faith last week. Do you remember the chair? I'm not going to do it again. There's still teachers here. Teachers don't like it when you do this. But you remember faith? And I talked about how faith is like leaning back and just resting on those two legs. Not if you remember. Okay, that's good. Faith is like leaning back and resting like this guy on those two legs of the chair. And when you're doing that, this guy's nuts. When you're doing that kind of stuff, when you're leaning back on those two legs in that position, we're relying on nothing else to hold us up. I don't have somebody standing back here who's an elder in my church or my Sunday school teacher saying, you're going to be fine. I got you. Don't you worry. I got this. I'm going to take care of you. I'm not standing here holding on to a pole saying, nope, I can hold myself up. It's not a problem at all. I'm relying on those two legs and those two legs only and saying that's what's going to get me by. That's faith. I'm relying only on God. I'm not saying I need God and I need Danny to hold me up. I don't say I need God and I need my wife to be nice to me. I need God. That's all I need right there for faith. Not my family, not my ability, not my good works, not my charm, nothing. All I can hold on to is my belief that God has done this for me and my trust in Him. And it is to everyone who believes. Some of you are here today because you are riding on the coattails of someone else's belief. You're here today because you're riding on the coattails of someone else's faith. You're here because someone you know, someone who loves you, they believe, and you think that's enough. Or you're here because, well, my parents brought me to church when I was little. I was in Sunday school. I even got a badge. I got a certificate. I got perfect attendance. I did great. Well, that's wonderful. You ought to do that. But at some point, that belief has to be your belief. Did you claim that belief of theirs, or did you claim your own belief? Well, my spouse believes. She does her church in force. My grandparents believe, so we're Christians. We call ourselves Christians because grandma and grandpa went to church. The reality is, it is time to grow up. It is time to get your own belief. And it is time to say, I believe. I believe that I cannot save myself. 
I believe that I cannot be good enough. I believe that I don't have any power to save myself in and of myself. I believe that all I can do is believe. Believe that Jesus is the power of God for salvation. So I am not ashamed of the gospel. I hope that you know that you have no reason to ever be ashamed of the gospel. Whether you're standing before torturers like Saeed Abedini might be doing right this very minute, or whether you're standing before your own failings and saying, I screwed up again. Later on in Romans, in Romans chapter 10, verse 11, Paul's going to write some more about this. And in Romans 10, 11, Paul says, everyone, do you remember that word, everyone? We talked about that already. Everyone who believes, remember that? We talked about people who believe. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to what? You can read, that's awesome. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to? Thank you. Will not be put to shame. And then the very next verse, he goes on and he says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That truth right there. That truth caused Paul to lay down everything he had ever known. He had to rethink everything that he had ever been taught. He had to lay down everything that he had ever known that was an advantage to who he was. And and in Philippians chapter 3, Paul tells us all about his advantages. He tells us that that as a Jew, he was was a Jew of Jews. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was was, uh, not just a Jew, but he could trace his lineage all the way back through the tribes of Benjamin. Not just a Jew, but he was a Pharisee. He was perfect he was a law keeper people came to him for answers on on how to keep the law and he says that as for keeping the law i was perfect i did everything as i was supposed to do and then he goes on and in philippians chapter 3 verse 7 paul says whatever gain i had I count a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's where Paul, that's where faith had to take Paul. Every advantage he had, faith had to take him to a point where he just laid it all down and said, it's all worthless. Everything that I thought was important is gone. Everything I thought I was doing right didn't get me anywhere. I have to lay it all down and instead pick up simply knowing who Jesus is and what he's done. That's where faith had to take Paul. That's where it has to take us, a place where we find that power, a place where we find salvation. We're going to sing a song here in just a couple minutes. I want you to listen to the words to this song because The song that we're going to sing, it echoes Paul's words. And I want you to make these words yours. I don't want you just to sing the song because it's pretty or sing the song because I like the things that Paul said. I like the way the 
I like the way the writer put these all together. I want you to make these words yours. Listen to these words. All I once held dear, built my life upon, all this world reveres and wars to own, all I once thought gain I have counted loss, spent and worthless now compared to this. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness. And I love you, Lord. I think today's the day to make those words yours. Today's the day to say, this is my faith. This is what I believe. I believe I can't do it myself. I believe I can't live up to it myself. I believe I don't have any power to do that. And his promise is that you will never be put to shame if you believe this. You will never have anything to be ashamed of. His promise is salvation. Maybe today is the day when you step out and you say, that's what I believe. Uh, People told me. People taught me. People who love me have been telling, telling me this for years. But today's the day that I believe it myself. Today's the day I step forward and say, this is my faith. This is who I am. And I am not ashamed to stand for Jesus Christ.